John writes to them. And he says to them, there's a little problem. And the little problem is you've left your first love. But it's not the message of John, is it? It's the message from Jesus. John is just reporting it. And so look with me as we begin to read a little bit, okay? Verse number 1, Revelation chapter 2, if you're there, say, I'm there. there. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, he who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now let me pause. Because if you go back to chapter 1, and those of you that were with us last week, you remember that this is a reference to Jesus. The appearance of Jesus to John in chapter 1, Jesus is holding the stars in his hand, seven stars, which he says are the angels of the churches. The word is angelos, literally messenger of the church. There are some who believe we're dealing with a spirit being in this text, but the majority of the people who understand the scriptures believe that this would be the messenger that was given to that church, the preacher or the pastor. So here's what Jesus says. I've got a message, John. I want you to write it down and I want you to send it. And then I want you to give it to the person who is going to communicate that to the church. And then he is to present my word, not his word. And here we find another reason why it is very important for us to pray for our pastors. Because you want to hear from the Lord. You don't want to hear from me. You want the message God has for you. Not the message that the, that the man that occupies this position comes up with. That's the wrong thing to look for and the wrong thing to, to desire. Am I right? You want to hear from the Lord. And so praying for that is important. Now the Bible says he walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. The lampstands represent the churches. We learned that back in chapter 1. So Jesus is walking in the church. That's where he is. And, and this, this is important that we understand as we get into some of the things we want to notice that are mentioned to this church. But let me just do some more reading first. Verse number 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Now let me stop for a second and point this out. So far, everything sounds pretty good. Would you agree? Jesus shows up on the scene. He said, I got a message for you. Wouldn't you like to hear if, if he had written to us specifically, if instead of to the angel of the church of Ephesus, it said to the angel of the church of East Point. And it was specific toward us. And, and you read that and you said, you know what? Here he comes. He's going to tell us some things we're doing good. That's a good thing, right? And then we have this word. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Verse 4, nevertheless I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember therefore from where you are fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So he comes back to an accolade after he, he gives them what his uh, concern is. And then verse 7, a very common verse, a little bit different than some of the others that are mentioned to the other churches. And yet, the first part of it, very similar. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So there's a, a reward promised, but he said, if, if you have an ear, then hear 
what the Spirit says. So we have Jesus who is delivering, and the message comes by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he says, if you have an ear, then hear what this message is. Now, here's what I'd like to do with you. For the next little while, uh, I want to talk to you about four things we need to notice from this concerning how Jesus is with our church and this church. And, and I'll make that application in just a minute with you. But uh, the city of Ephesus, a wealthy city, I read one particular account that they actually lit the evening with oil lamps and not many cities did that back in the day. They didn't have street lights, so to speak, and yet they did. They were a wealthy harbor city. It's located today southwest Turkey, but it was, of course, part of uh, the, the, the Greek uh, world during this time. Paul has founded the church in his second missionary journey there. We mentioned earlier 52 AD to give you some little background. They were best known not so much for uh, the church, the Christian church that was there, but they were best known for the temple of Diana or more properly referred to uh, the temple of Artemis, which actually became one of the seven wonders of the world as people observed the construction of this, this magnificent uh, structure. Artemis is said to be the daughter of Zeus, the goddess of fertility. And so they worshipped her in this city of Ephesus. Those that were getting saved, Paul had a lot to say about them. Uh, he, he mentioned concerning their love. Matter of fact, if you go back to the book of Ephesians, the writing of Paul, you'll find comments like this. Uh, chapter 1, verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints. Now the reason I'm sharing this with you is because earlier they were known for having a great deal of love. It was the love of Christ for other people. Paul even said this in chapter 3 of the same book, to the Ephesians, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul's saying, listen, you guys are a, a, you are a church of love. And that's a wonderful thing. You love one another and you love Christ. Well, something has happened over the 40-year span, that now John is on the island of Patmos and Jesus shows up and he has a message. The message appears to be particularly for Ephesus, but then he says, anybody that has an ear, let him hear. As a matter of fact, may I remind you that this letter, which contains a personal word for seven churches, was to be sent to all seven churches. So the other churches were to read and hear what God had to say concerning the church at Ephesus. Just like the church of Ephesus was to read and hear what God had to say to the other churches, including the church of Laodicea. I shared that with you because as we talk about the very first point and the fill in the blank, if you will, as we make our way through some of the notes, um, there are four things that we need to emphasize. One is how Jesus reaches out to us. The Bible tells us that this is Jesus that shows up. He's the one with the message, the revelation. And he says, give this message to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Write this thing. I have a personal message for you. The Lord Jesus is saying how he reaches out to us. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16. This is an interesting verse and one that I referred to earlier. So listen to what it says. 
Now when this epistle is read among you, this is the book to the Colossians, the letter to the Colossians that Paul wrote. When this is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans. And that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Now we don't have that book. We said that earlier. We don't have the actual Apparently God did not want us to have that particular one. But the Bible tells us this. That, that Paul is saying, I want you to take what the message is here. Uh, you people of Colossia. And I want you to take it and I want you to share it with the others. And then I want them to, to, to read it. And I want you to read what I sent to them. So the idea is this. That God has for us something out of the word of God is applicable to us. Some of us might sit here today and say, you know what, you're reading something that was written to the Ephesians. Why should we pay any attention to it? Because the word of God is profitable to us. All scripture is profitable. That's what Paul wrote to young Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 16. Many of you know the text. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when we read in the Old Testament, we should learn from it. When we read in the New Testament, we should learn from it. When we read concerning a passage written to the church at Ephesus, we should learn from it. It was inspired by God. That's what the Bible says, and the word means God breathed. Inspired, God breathed it and gave it to us. It's important that we remember this, that God speaks to his people using a variety of ways. Um, I may not have included it in this one. I think it's on the other PowerPoint. Could you bring that up for me? There are four ways that God speaks. You've heard me say this uh, before, but I want to give them to you. Uh, one of the ways that he speaks is through his spirit. If you just want to take a note of that, he speaks through his spirit. And then he speaks through his servant. We find that in this text. You, listening to the word of God becomes important for God to move and speak to us. He speaks through his scriptures. So we should read the word of God and study the word of God. That's important for us to do. And then he does speak through our situations. Now sometimes he will, and the scripture talks about this, he will hedge you in. He will box you in. And sometimes he'll do that to get your attention. You ever been hedged in? Felt like, what in the world is going on? I can't seem to do this. I can't seem to do that. Maybe God is trying to get your attention. And he will use that to draw you back. Something I always like to point out to people when I share those four things is that, that the first two and the last one, if it's from God, will never contradict the third on that list. You can always check out what you think the Spirit of God is leading you to do by the Scripture. You can always check out whether what you've heard from a servant of the Lord is according to the scriptures, whether it is from God or not, based on whether it's from the scripture. And you can always understand your life circumstances and situations based on the scriptures. So look for clarity in the word of God. I'm so thankful that God communicates to us. Did you know he didn't have to do that? There is nothing that God had to do. There's nothing recorded anywhere that said God had to reach out to you. That God had to reach out to me. That God had to give us a book like he gave us of the word of God. He didn't have to do that, but he did that. In this text, he didn't have to reach out to the people of Ephesus, but he does that. What we're seeing is a love that God has for us, how he reached out to us. One particular songwriter wrote it in such a way, he said, when we could not go to where he was, he came to where we are. 
And the scripture tells us that he reached out to us. He pursued us. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 3. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. And then in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful and thankful that God reached out to me. Didn't, aren't you glad he reached out to you? He didn't have to do that. I, I often struggle sometimes with people who feel like, you know, God never communicates with them. And I, I think this can be the case, so listen carefully. Sometimes it's not that, that God's not communicating. Sometimes you don't like what he said. Amen? Don't we do that sometimes with people? We tell somebody something, we don't get the reaction we want, and we get a little frustrated with them. So we go to somebody else until we find somebody who agrees with us. And God is not going to bend to whatever pressure you put on him. He's going to tell you what he thinks. And we need to line up with what he says, not try to get him lined up with what we believe. Amen? And then secondly, as we make our way through this, let's talk about how Jesus recognizes all that we do. So not only does he reach out to us, but he recognizes all that we do. Mark chapter 9, verse 41. I love this passage of scripture. It says, For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Now, it is true that sometimes we miss what you do. Amen? Now, I know, I know, listen, everybody likes a bit of a pat on the back. It, it all feels good when somebody says, I appreciate you. And we love that, don't we? I want you to help me out with this. Turn to your neighbor and say, I appreciate you. Now, don't ever tell anybody nobody appreciates you, amen? The, the truth of the matter is that we miss it sometimes. Hey, you might be serving the Lord. Now, listen carefully what I'm about to say. You might be serving the Lord in a certain way, and maybe the devil has gotten through to you in that he has tried to make you believe that nobody knows what you do or nobody cares about what you do, and nobody's showing you the proper appreciation around here. Now, there may be some truth to that. We sometimes as people live a pretty busy life and we sometimes forget. I was in a uh, graduation ceremony this past week at Louisiana Baptist University where I'm one of the trustees and they have quite a, a little production. Uh, it's, a, it's a great school and they're doing a great job. People from uh, just all over the world attend there uh, through online education mostly and and we graduated 101 graduates this year. We were very excited about that. And uh, uh, when it was over, I met one of the men from the church that was the host of the event. And they all volunteered there to hold it. The auditorium there seats uh, 2,200 and a large auditorium. And he was one of the media guys. And we were talking afterwards. And he said to me, uh, I thanked him for what he did and, and helping out. And and he said, uh, he said, yeah, he said, you know, I'm kind of behind the scenes. Nobody really notices me or, or uh, understands what I do. And I looked at him and I said this, until it goes wrong. <laughs> Amen? When it goes wrong, everybody notices you. You can't hide then. It's a funny thing how that when things run smoothly, we let our appreciation go. But when things go rough, man, we're one of the first ones to let somebody know we don't think that went the way it should go. 
And so I'm asking you the question today, where is the love? Where is the love? And I want you to find your love in Christ. I want you to find your acceptance in Him. The, uh, the truth of the matter is, and everybody enjoys an accolade, everybody enjoys a, a compliment, and, and I want you to know this. I learned this years ago. I, I love the fact that somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, I, uh, I, I just really enjoyed that message. That was a great message. I enjoyed that. But I want to tell you something. I don't live for that. I don't. I'll tell you what I do live for. Later on today, sometime during the day, as he does every single week, I'll either hear from the Lord that I did what he told me to do or I messed up. And I love it when he tells me I did what he told me to do. You find your approval in him, not in other people. And get back to the love of serving because you don't do anything that he misses. He sees it all. He sees the kind word. He sees the handshake. He sees the smile. He sees the love and the service. He knows how many hours you have studied. He knows your preparation. He understands how you have given of your time in working in the nursery or dealing with the children. He knows it all. And none of it goes unrecognized by Jesus. None of it. None of it. Other people may not have a clue, but he sees it all. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10. For God is not unjust to forget our work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. The Lord knows. He's aware. Everybody else may not be aware and everybody else may not be thinking about it, but God knows. He knows how we serve. He knows the attitude with which we serve. He also knows our speech. And the attitude with which we speak. James chapter 3 beginning in verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. That's a good time to amen. It is an unruly evil. Full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father. And with it we curse men. Who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Wow. My wife and I were on the road uh, several hours yesterday coming back from Louisiana. And uh, we got into downtown Jacksonville and we were trying to make those lights coming through downtown. And apparently I did not notice. Apparently. I did not notice the young lady in the lane next to me who had obviously had her blinker on for a while. So she rolled her window down. I'm not real good at reading lips, but I understood what she said. I was looking for a bumper sticker with a church name on the back of her car. I tapped my brakes. I would have been happy. Listen, I learned a long time ago that you, that you uh, uh, reap whatever you sow. And so I let people in, man. I don't mind at all. I'm not trying to be an aggressive driver and keep you from getting over and switching lanes. But you sure thought I was out to kill you or something. I don't know. So I tapped on the brakes and just threw my hands up in there. I said, what did I do to you? I'm sorry. I had no clue. Now, if that was you, I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It wasn't because I was looking. <laughs> they didn't go to East Point. They didn't have an East Point sticker on their car either. If you got one, be careful. 
how you drive. Amen? We got, there are other church decals you can put on your car if you struggle with this, okay? All right, I'm not, I'm not making any suggestions. He knows what we say. He knows what we say. This is an interesting thing that God says, I know your labor, I know your works, I, I, I understand this. And, and then he, he speaks of our, our discernment. He understands how they were able to discern the false teachers. You tried those who were apostles and found them liars. He said, I understand your discernment. That's good. That's a good thing. He's, he's giving them accolades. I, I understand that, that, that you have a, a sincerity concerning the truth. And then he speaks of their strength. He said, he said you have perseverance. Man, you've stuck with it. You've not given up easily. You've been through trials in your life, difficulties in your life, but you just keep on serving. There's just one big problem, guys. You're serving without any love. What happened to the love? He goes into how they hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans, one particular writer has written concerning the followers of Nicholas of Antioch and how they had forsaken the true Christian doctrine and, and they lived unrestrained in unrestrained indulgence, one historian wrote. Another referred to them as shameless in uncleanness. And they were in the church and they were all around and, and they claimed to be Christian but they weren't living like a Christian. And so he said, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. Uh, the standards were there it seemed. They had some kind of standard but they had standards with no love. They'd lost their love. The third thing I want you to notice about Jesus is how he reminds us of where we are. He's in the church. He's walking around. He's letting us know that he recognizes our work and our labor. He's letting us know that, that, that he's reaching out to us. And then he reminds us. He reminds us. One of the things the Word of God does, you know, the Bible is called a mirror in the Scriptures. The Bible says that a, a man who, who reads the word and forgets it, doesn't do it. He's a hearer of the word but not a doer of the word. He's like a person who beholds their self in a mirror and then goes away forgetting what manner of person they are. So if you were eating spaghetti and you had a bunch of that sauce all over your face and you looked in the mirror and you saw all that, the Bible said when you hear the word of God and don't do it, you're like, oh well, it, it's there. And you go your way. Walking around the rest of the day with all that spaghetti. All, you wouldn't do that, would you? I wouldn't think you would. You said, what are you getting at? I, I, I'm saying that, that the scriptures, one of the blessings of the word of God as we read the word of God and we spend time with God, he reminds us where we are. He said, nevertheless, you have left your first love. Now to leave something means you were there at one time. Right? You were there. So I want to ask you this question and I ask it please don't answer it out loud but think about it. Was there a time that you and the Lord walked closer together 
than you do now? Was there a time when the fellowship was sweet and you couldn't wait to hear his voice in the morning? You couldn't wait to praise him and to thank him for something that he's done for you? Was there a time when you loved the word of God at such a point you just had to read it and absorb it and, and your prayer life was fervent? Was there a time that any of that was better than it is now? Then maybe we would have to admit that we've come away from our first love. From our first love. I uh, taught a workshop at uh, Louisiana Baptist University this past week, just before graduation, and we had about 65 uh, people in there, many of them preachers, many of them counselors, many of them missionaries, people from all over. And, and as I was teaching this class, I, I asked them this question, so I'll ask you, was there a time in your life when you first started serving the Lord that you got on your knees before God and you said something like this, God, I can't do this without you. Did you know that even if you, you are, are and, and I'm not belittling this position, but let me just, let me show you what I mean by this. If you are a greeter at our church, do you know you ought to spend time with God before you greet and ask God to help you do that to the best of your ability? I'm going to tell you why. Because you don't have a clue of what's going on in the people's lives that you meet as, that walk through that door. You don't know that they've just been diagnosed with a certain illness. You don't know that they've just lost a family member. You don't know whether they've got issues in their life that they're contemplating suicide. You don't know any of that, but he does. Amen. There was a time in our life when we first started serving God, we had a dependency on God and we sought God. Why did you quit? Why did you stop? If you're a deacon in this church, if you're an elder in this church, if you're a Sunday school teacher in this church, an ABF teacher in this church, regardless of what you do, was there a time that you begged God for help to do what it is and you no longer do it? Then I say to you, you have drifted. We have drifted. And we need to get back. And the first step in getting back is to realize that we have drifted. That we're not where we used to be. And Jesus points that out. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have the preeminence. First place. First place. In all things. Galatians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Let me read these to you, or you can look them up. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Did you catch that? Faith working through love. And then Paul makes this statement to the church at Galatia. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You used to run the race better. 
You used to walk closer. What hindered you? What happened? Nevertheless, Jesus said, I have this. I have this concern. You've left your first love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you're familiar with it. You could probably quote it for me. Beginning in verse 1, reads this way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. If we have not lost our love, then I caution you to beware of the danger of losing it. If you have lost it, then I beg of you to consider what we're about to read in moments to come to revitalize that, to restore that, to renew that, and to focus on it again in our life. That we might do what we do, not just because it needs to be done, but out of love. Truly out of love. In studying this, I've come up with, and I'm going to rattle these off to you. They're not going to come up on the PowerPoint. But if you want to write down a little bit of this as we go, that's, that's great if you write pretty quick. I'm going to give you ten signs that you have left your first love. These are indicators, okay? I'll give you a key word that might help you as we go. The first word is delight. We delight in someone or something else other than Jesus. Number two, the word is disconnect. We disconnect from fellowship, prayer, and the study of Scripture. You say you love Christ, but you're not involved in a Bible study. How can that be? You say you love the Lord, but you don't read His Word. How can that be? Number three, the word is discontent. We become discontent. Joy is absent in our service. Number four, the key word is disobey. We disobey, but make excuse for it rather than correct it. Number five, the key word is discard. We discard our love for others instead of loving others the way Jesus loves. Number six, the key term would be downtime. Our downtime thoughts do not include the Lord. If that happens to be one of the issues, then maybe we've lost our first love. Number seven, the word is discern. We discern the Lord's commands as restrictions rather than safe boundaries. Number eight, the key word is decide. We decide the approval of the world is more important to us than the approval of God. Number nine, the key word is determine. We determine not to give up activities that may cause a weaker brother to be offended or fall. Number ten, the key word is defer. We defer forgiveness of others and in so doing forget that Christ forgave 
us. If those things, we would say, Pastor, man, some of those are me, then I would say to you those are indicators that we have left our first love. Which brings us to the fourth thing I want you to observe with me, and that is how Jesus reasons with us. How he reasons with us. We find that verse number 5, and let me take a moment and read it to you again, if I may please. Verse number 5. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. There are two divisions to this. The counsel of Christ and the consequence. Actually, it should be for the church, but there's a consequence that he mentions. So let me talk about these for just a minute. In his counsel, there are three terms that I want you to note. The first one is remember. The second one is repent. And the third one is return. He said, I want you to remember from where you have fallen. I want you to repent or to change direction. Chuck Swindoll made the statement that the book of Revelation is a book that is intended for us to, hear me, change. It is a book that is intended for us to change. We should not be able to listen knowing that we need to make some kind of alteration and not make the alteration. Repent means to just simply turn and change direction. We've been going in this direction. It's time now that we go in the direction where the Lord is leading and switch in our life to return. He said, go back to the first works. Go back to the first works. I do something every now and then here. I'm not the, by any means, the perfect example. I'm not. But when I first came here to East Point, before... I met with the pastor search team. I had trouble sleeping, which I sometimes do. I woke up very early in the morning and I came and I sat in the parking lot here at the church. It was about 4 a.m. And I sat right over on this side of the church and I prayed. And I remember the prayer well and I, I try to pray it something similar frequently lest I get too far away from the dependency that ought to be on God. I remember in my prayer, I said, Lord, there's nothing in me that deserves the opportunity to pastor this church. Nothing. And if you allow me here to be your man, then I'll lean on you. I say that to you only because Every now and then I have to be reminded to do the same prayer. Lest we forget. Lest we get too dependent on ourselves. Lest we start thinking that we're able. Lest we think we can do it without God. So I remind you, no matter what you do, if you watch the children in the nursery, if you're a greeter, if you're an ABF leader, if you're a deacon, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do. If you're, if you're a church member that's looking for a place, let me tell you something. Express a dependency on God and then keep it there. Go back to the first works. Remember how you loved serving him? Do you remember that? Hmm? The consequence 
The consequence is the removal of the candle or the light, which I believe, and most scholars agree, it's the influence in the community, the city, or the world. God said this, and I'm going to give it to you, and I want to close. If you hurry out of the parking lot, you might be the Methodist to the restaurant, but I doubt it. No offense to our Methodist brothers and sisters. I love you. The removal of the candlestick. If we were to turn the lights off in this building, it gets rather dark. You'd get a little bit of light from the windows in the doors, but not much. And if we were to light a little candle and stick it here on this podium, before too long our eyes would adjust and we would be able to see fairly well. Because the light always, hears me, the light, hear me, the light always influences the darkness. And Jesus said this, I have counseled you. If you will not do what I'm telling you to do, if you're not going to remember, if you're not going to repent, and you're not going to return, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to lose your influence. You're going to lose your influence. You're going to be one of those churches that's out there that has a building but no love and no life. Your ministry in the community will fade. Your ministry in the city will fade. Your ministry around the world through your mission program will fade. And the light will be gone. I do not believe that my Lord and Savior gives a threat idly. I do not think he said what he said just to scare us. I think he meant what he said. You ever met a believer in the Lord that seems to have lost the light? You ever been to a church that seems to have lost its light? Let me put it to you this way. You lose the love and the light will soon follow. It'll follow. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we ask your blessing.